So why don't you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we feel as though when we come into this place, everything is right. Our lives may not be all put together, and there may be things that we're wrestling with and struggling with and anxious about and depressed about. But there's something that happens when we come and gather together where we know that we're in this together, where it is in this place you give us a glimpse of what eternity will look like, where you fill this place with your spirit in such a way that as we sing and as we pray, as we welcome each other and as we hear your word, uh, there's something that happens within us that you just give us your grace and an abundance so that we might feel just a little bit of peace. We thank you for your presence and we ask now that as we go into scripture that you would just silence all of those distractions, even the things like the fun stuff that we're looking forward to this week, that you would just silence all of that for a moment and that we would be present to your word and your spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. This morning we're, doing, we're looking at, as, as we've been talking about the cultivated life, we've been talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus And what we're doing for the first maybe three-fourths of this sermon series is looking at the basics. Like if I were to teach a discipleship class about the basics of the Christian faith, that's what we've been going over for the last four weeks. And so this morning is week number five. And we're going to continue to go through some of these basics. And the reason that it's important for us to go through this is because I want us as a church to have a shared and common language about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What it means that as, as followers of Christ, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, what does it mean and what is expected of us so that we can all be in this together? You know, I often say words like, we come to church to bear one another's burdens. We come to church to equip each other. We come to church to encourage each other. And we use this language, and I'm hoping that through this series it'll become a part of who we are And I've been here for, it'll be nine years in August, and I feel like I've been, you know, trying to say similar things over and over again because I believe that it is what Scripture is calling us to and how Scripture is asking us to view the world. And so as we continue this journey together, I want us to be able to have a common language about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so this morning's sermon is titled, Crave. And there's like three different versions of the title, but what I have on mine is, Crave the sustaining power of Scripture. Now, I know most of you who are here this morning have probably been a part of church life or no church or a part of the Christian experience. And for most of you, you'll probably think to yourself, okay, we're going to do a sermon on the Bible. Like, that is the least needed sermon out of all the sermons because we're all here. We're all here because we want to hear more about the Bible. We all intuitively or innately know that the Bible is a book that we should be paying attention to and reading. And it's like, come on, Pastor Dave, like, you, you could have done a different sermon this morning. So here's what we'll start off with. Yes, you should be reading your Bible. It should be a daily thing. But this morning, I want to show you from Scripture how it's so much more than something you should do, but it's an invitation of God that is inviting you into his presence, and it truly has this transforming power and effect on your life. Because if we're honest with ourselves, the Bible is one of those things that is often quoted by everyone to prove their version of what they believe is right, And yet it is often the book that is the least read and the least understood. 
But we love the Bible. I mean, if we were to go into my bookcase here in this back hallway, I probably have about 10 or 12 different Bibles, different versions, different types, different cloth on the, on the binding. I mean, we love buying Bibles. There's something so, like, amazing about being able to buy a new Bible, and, and, and we almost feel like we're a little bit holier because we're like, oh, I have this new Bible for my collection. And what ends up happening is we only read the same one anyway, but the other ones just look nice on our shelves, Right? That's what we do. And so the Bible, it's the most often used like book and Bible verses are used that people use to try to get their point across, but it's often the most misunderstood. You know, we often will say things like, well, we know that the Bible is important because it is the word of God. It's the word of God and that's why we must read it. And we use this language and I use this language. And we say the Bible is important because it's the word of God. And so we must listen to what it says and we must do what it says but if we're honest, I'm not going to ask you to raise anybody's hand. Yes, the Bible is God's message for us. But if we're honest with ourselves and we look over the last week of our lives, there's probably a lot of things in Scripture that we're called to do that we probably haven't done. So the fact that it is God's Word, it doesn't mean that we're following it. Let me give you some examples. Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Right, that's what we do. Like, there are parents, they gave us life, and yet we disobey them. Have we, ever di- have we ever not listened to the advice of a good friend of ours? Like, you, maybe you're in a relationship, and they see something, and they tell you, hey, don't go down that path, but we ignore them, right? Have you ever ignored the advice or the counsel of a teacher, of a pastor, right? So this is what we do. Like, there are important people, important figures in our lives, and we say, yes, we should listen to the pastor, so, and so what we do is that even though, like, there are important figures and important people in our lives, we seldomly pay attention to them because we do what we want to do in life. And so oftentimes when we say that the Bible is the word of God, it doesn't really mean all that much sometimes because we ignore so much of the time what God is calling everyone, every one of us to do. So much so it's because it's our human nature. So let me give you an example I can't remember where this is. Some of you are going to ask me for the name of this book, and I can get it for you later this week. But there is a research that was done that says that 90, I think it was either 90 or 98% of people will not change their life habits, even if it means that they will die from them. So there was this research, there was a study done, people who are chronically ill, people who are on the verge in a sense of either dying because of their habits or, or being able to pull back and try to live a longer life, a healthier life. And the statistic was either 90 or 98% of people will not change their ways even if they know that their life depends on it. Because that is our human nature to do what we want to. And so I don't want to beat you over the head by telling you that the Bible is God's word because the reality is, is like until you embrace it and enter into a conversation with the scripture, it's not going to mean anything for you. So I want to begin with this, this example of my life. So one of the things I do when I go running, some of you may have seen this, this is what is called goo energy. And basically it's this kind of gel that comes in all sorts of different flavors. I think it might have some caffeine in it, but it has like nutrients. So anytime that I'm going to run for more than an hour, I take some of these. And some of you have taken some of these. And so they taste kind of metallic. They're not all that delicious, but you take them and they tell you if you're going to run 45 minutes or more, 
you should probably take this because you're going to need to replenish some of your electrolytes, some of your nutrients. So they say, take this. So I do. Like, this is my favorite flavor, the vanilla bean. I love it. I'll usually pack two or three of them, even if I'm not going to run for all that long, just in case I get hurt or I get hungry or whatever it is, and I have those with me. But is that really food? No, like, if any of you have ever run for more than, like, three or five miles, like, I know that when you run a half marathon or a full marathon, you'll eat some of this fake food throughout the time, but it's not really nourishing or satisfying. Now, the times that I have run longer distances, like the 13 miles or the marathon, I've used this throughout, but it's not really satisfying. Because what's really satisfying for me at the end of a long run is not pretend food, but real food. If our bodies function in a way, like like that goo gel will work for a while, but it won't sustain you. And that's why we go, and I, I know this is just a generic picture of a burrito, but we go to this real sustenance. So if your physical body works like that, can you imagine what your spiritual life looks like? You know, so many times we go for these quick hits of, you know, this instant gratification in our lives when what we should be going towards is being in the presence and being open to what the Spirit and what the Word of God is giving to us. Because let's be honest, there's so many other things that are easier for us to do than to make time to read Scripture on a daily basis. And the reason that the Bible is so important for us is because it gives us information and it gives us a foundation for how we begin to talk about God and what we understand about God. But there is this really great passage in Jeremiah, and I don't know if you've ever read it, but it says, "Your words, when your words were found, I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O God of hosts." Just think about that for a second. Like there is this image of the prophet Jeremiah having this conversation with God. And if you read this, this is a conversation that goes back and forth between the prophet and God. And Jeremiah says, when your word came to me, I ate it and it became a joy and a delight for my heart. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, when you come to the Bible, Is it a joy and a delight for your heart, or is it something that you just dread, but you know you have to do? Because it matters. The attitude and the energy that you bring to something that is important as this will determine what you're going to get out of this. When we look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says, One does not live by bread alone, but what? by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is something powerful that happens when you allow yourself to be exposed and be in the presence of the Spirit of God as you're reading Scripture. I know many of you have tried to read the Bible from cover to cover at the beginning of every year, and most of us will kind of maybe stop somewhere in the middle or three-fourths in because sometimes it just gets to be too much. And then we begin to beat ourselves up and we get guilty because we say, well, I haven't read the entire Bible. I know that when I got ready to go to seminary, I thought that I had to read the entire Bible. And I tried and I failed. And then I felt guilty because I didn't do the thing that I thought that I had to do in order to prove myself to God. But what we find is that it's not so much the amount of Bible that you're reading, 
but it's the quality of how you're reading it. And one of the ways that I've tried to internalize the Bible, and I know I spend hours a week preparing sermons, so I have the advantage over you to be able to spend more time in Scripture. But beyond that, one of the things that I like to do that might be helpful for you is that if you're reading some of the Gospels, maybe you just focus on a line or two from Scripture that speaks to you, and then you can just begin to think about it over and over and over throughout the day. Because I guarantee you that it is better for you to remember more of it than just having read all of it. Does that make sense? You see, because so much of us is just about this knowledge of Scripture, but we forget that we sometimes have to internalize it as well. And so Jeremiah says, Your word became a joy and a delight. Jesus echoes those words when he says, I don't live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. Psalm 119, verse 9. page 437. Verse 9 says this. Now this is David, and he's writing this entire chapter in Scripture about, like, literally the Word of God. Now back then, they didn't have the entire Bible. And David really was focusing in on the first five books of the Bible. So when he talks about the percepts of God or the law of God, he's talking about the first five books, the Torah. And David asks, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, when we dedicate our time, intentional time every day to listening to the message of God, and this isn't just for young men, but this is for everyone, young men, young women, old men, older women. When you delight in the word of Scripture, it begins to inform how you then begin to see the world. Because here's what happens. There is a competition for your mind and your soul and your thoughts about how you will see the world. All right, and I, one of the things, and I'll, I'll use myself as an example, and then you can find kind of where you relate to this. One of the things that I love to do a lot is listen to podcasts, talk radio, I like listening to audiobooks. I like to read a lot. Um, I glance the news headlines because I don't really go into the full articles most of the time. Um, I look at social media. So, like, all of this information is coming your way. Whether you know it or not, it actually is shaping the way that you see the world. So, depending on what you're ingesting, it's going to change the way you see the world one way or another. But what ends up happening is we, we end up filling ourselves with so much of this other information and very little on Scripture that then our worldview becomes and shaped by all these outside voices when God is just wanting to shape the way we see the world through His very Word. And the reason that it's important for us to read Scripture is not just so that we can know how to see the world, but so that God's Spirit will have something to work with within our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. Because without the words, without the stories, without really making this a joy, then we don't have the language that we need to be able to experience the presence of God. So I want to look at a story. I'm looking at our time. I want to look at a parable of Jesus in Luke chapter 8. So if you, have, if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. 
and we're going to look at verse 4 to 15. Now, this is a story that if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard it, but I really want us to focus on why it's important to begin to have this rhythm of ingesting Scripture into our lives. Chapter 8, verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town, town after town, he told a parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Now, if you're lost and you're just like, I don't know what this means, Jesus does a wonderful way of explaining what all of this is. But for instance, there are four different types of the conditions of where the seed falls, like four different types of soil. Now, the soil is a metaphor for your soul. The soil is a metaphor for your own spiritual experience and the reality that you see God in. And Jesus then explains this. This is the meaning of the parable, verse 11. The seed is the word of God. So we can substitute, you know, scripture for that as well. Those along the path, the first one, are the ones who hear the word, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from, from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So there's this first kind of sense where you hear the word, you like it, it's music to your ears, but because you don't have like that desire to continue to follow in the path that Jesus is calling you to, the Bible says, Jesus says, that the devil comes and kind of takes that joy away from you. Verse 13, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And so the second kind, again, it's like we hear it, we love it. We're, it's, like, it's like those of us, when we have those emotional experiences of faith, and maybe it's at a retreat, maybe it's during a worship service that is just really wonderful, and you hear this wonderful word and you receive it, but it doesn't stick because we haven't done the work of having roots, or as we talked about in, verse, in, cha- in the first sermon in this series is, We're not anchored to Christ. Verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Again, they receive it, they love it, but it only lasts for a little bit because the worries of the world, all the things that are urgent in your life, all the things that are important in your life become more important than allowing the Spirit of God to do a transforming work in you. Verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by, pres- and by persevering produce a crop. You know, it's important that you know the condition of your own heart. And if you spend a few moments just thinking about the soil, you would begin to ask yourself, what is the soil? What is the condition of the soil of your soul? You know, so much of faith, as we've called this sermon series, A Cultivated Life, faith and the journey of faith isn't something that's not a sprint. Paul says it's more of a marathon. It's something that happens. It's this this long obedience in in the same direction. And it is this understanding that we must continue to allow our hearts and our souls to be cultivated so that the Spirit has something to grow. And so if I could leave you with one image of what, it, of what 
the, the word of God can be. There's a lot of images, but the one that I want to leave with you is that the, the, the scriptures are like a seed that are planted in the soil of your heart. And it is God who causes whatever he wants to do grow up from that. You see, we need to be ingesting the scripture so that God can then begin to give us an understanding not only of ourselves, but of God and of the world that is around us. Scriptures are that seed that allows to be germinated into our hearts, and it is through that that God can use it to shape and to transform us. But it's not just about the book. In our scripture reading, Jesus says, look, you all search the scriptures because you think that in them you find life. But I am the one who gives you life, and I am standing in front of you, and you are rejecting me. It is possible for you to read the Bible so much and still miss the person of Jesus. That should be scary to us. We can make an idol out of reading the Bible so much that we know everything. We know all the Bible verses, and yet we've missed out on that relationship that Jesus is inviting us to. You see, the Bible is not an end in it of itself, but the Bible is a means to the end, which is Jesus Christ. So why is it important for us to read the Bible? Not because it'll make you a good Christian. No one's keeping score. The reason it's important for us to open ourselves up to the Bible is because it is through that that God leads our lives towards the person of Jesus. And with Jesus, he is the one who transforms all things. So the next time that you're going and you're setting out to read the Bible, remember that this is all about you entering into the presence of Jesus and not just to fill your quota for being a good Christian for the day. Reading scripture in the morning also is not a superstitious, like, like you don't read it so that you then have a good day. Because I bet you that if we passed the microphone around, we'd be here for days talking about how we read the Bible in the morning and we'd been reading it for many days in a row and then something really terrible happened to us that day. So we're not superstitious when it comes to reading Scripture. All right, We don't read the Bible so we have a good day. We read the Bible to fortify us so that God has something to use within us so that our relationship with Jesus is solidified, it is grounded, it is rooted, and if and when the bad things happen in our lives, we're able to just kind of float through them because we know that there is something more to life than just that thing that's in front of us. So when we talk about Scripture, may it be a delight and a joy in your life. May you use it as a source of refreshment and living water for your life. May it be a reminder that it's, it's like a love letter from God to you. Not that it has to be memorized or mastered, but the scripture is something that you are invited to participate in. Find yourself within the story of scripture and be reminded that if this happened before, If God parted the sea, if God resurrects the dead and gives sight to the blind, if God does impossible things in the scripture, God can do the impossible things in your life. You see, by reading scripture, our faith is strengthened because we can say the God who did that can do this for me. Now, I still believe that, I I mean, I wish you all had some sort of systematic way of reading the Bible every single day. 
And I will say that when you miss out on it, you miss out on so much more of what God can do for you. And you know, one of those ways, and and I've heard this before when people say like, I know I should read the Bible, but every time I open up the Bible, it doesn't make any sense. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I forget that for some, for some of you, when you come to the scriptures, it is hard. I mean, I have 13 years of professional ministry, and I have commentaries and books and all sorts of stuff to give me this information. I mean, I went to school for seven years to study some of this, and I'm continuing to go to school. So sometimes I forget that not everyone has that kind of step forward. And if you're one of those people that really wants to start with Scripture, I mean, send me a text. You can either send the, the church text message or my own, and I can give you some, I can give you some um, recommendations for books that help you on how to read the Bible, but I can also try to make some recommendations about, like, devotionals that you can read. Because I think devotionals are some of the best things that you can do to begin to get into the Word. Because we all know that when you have spent time in Scripture— It's like when you spend time in prayer. There's something inside you that you can't really pinpoint, but you know that something is happening. You know, and if reading isn't one of your things, and this is, again, this is the last part, the practical part of the sermon. If reading isn't one of your things that you like to do, like there are hundreds, if not thousands, of free podcast sermons on the internet, which, again, I can show you how to find them. And not not just my own. I I encourage you to hear other people. (laughs) But like listening to sermons can also feed your soul because it it, it plants not only the scripture within you, but these pastors who are wise are able to kind of unravel and allow the scriptures to flourish. You can listen to the Bible on the internet. What's that website? Blue Letter Bible? Blue Bible? Bible Gateway. You can look up, I guess, the passage that you want and it'll read it out to you if you want to. I mean like, like, there is so much for you. To, I mean, you can buy the Bible on audio if you want to. Here's what I'm trying to get at. For your life of faith to continue to develop and grow, you need to have that seed in your soul to be allowed, for allow the Holy Spirit to germinate that and allow that to grow. The more you spend time in Scripture, the more you give the Spirit to work with, And the more that you will be able to see the world in a way that is through the eyes of what God wants us to see and not just about, and not just in the ways that we're like taking in all of that other noise. And so scripture becomes that barometer of what faith should look like for us. It strengthens us and it helps us to persevere, especially when things get difficult. Amen.